Welcome to Coffee with the College, a podcast brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives, Wisconsin chapter. Our goal is for listeners to find this podcast as relaxing as coffee with friends and just as comfortable as our guests and observers banter about questions that are on all of our minds. I'm your host, Janet Schultz. I'm Chief Information Officer at a human services company called MyPath. Our observers today are Brian Mahalski, Health System Specialist at Zablocki VA Medical Center in Milwaukee, and Madeline Bushman, Operations Manager in the Mayo Clinic Health System Department of Family Medicine. Today, we're doing a quarterly spotlight. In these spotlights, you'll learn about the career path of a rising or established healthcare leader. And we also add at least one fun question to the mix. Our spotlight guest today is Ryan Neville. Ryan is president of the Wausau Weston region of the Marshfield Clinic Health System. He's had varied career experiences that led to his current role and also has been active in the ACHE Wisconsin chapter. We look forward to hearing about all of that. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you, Janet and Brian and Maddie. I appreciate uh, you having me today. Ryan, I'd like you to get us started. Um, if you could tell us a little bit about your career path and how that culminated in your current role at the Marshfield Clinic Health System. Great. Uh, thank you. Um, you know, I was born and raised in Youngstown, Ohio. And, and the reason I say that is, I think as you get older, you get more and more proud of where you came from. And Youngstown, for those that don't know, is between Cleveland and Pittsburgh, and it's a very, very hardworking blue-collar town, uh, and they make cars. And, um, and, I, and, and, and I'm very proud of where I came from, and I'm proud of that type of ethic. But growing up in Youngstown, I, I always wanted to be in healthcare. I didn't know what. I didn't think I was smart enough to, to, uh, to be a doctor. Um, I, I just wasn't sure. So I, I um, started volunteering at some of the hospitals. And I remember thinking, boy, everyone talks about physical therapy. I'm going to go volunteer at physical therapy. And I remember going into Southside Hospital in, in, uh, in Youngstown and walking up to the rehab floor. And the physical therapist manager goes, listen, we're really crazy busy right now. Would you mind going down to the occupational therapy gym and 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 watching them today? And I had never, I didn't know what occupational therapy was. So I went down there and you know how sometimes you just get led into the right direction. And I've met uh, an occupational therapist there and their manager, Kim Zeinstein, who I still remember. And that day I fell in love with the field of occupational therapy. And I knew I wanted to be an occupational therapist. So uh, th my first career path was in, in the clinical realm, and I became an occupational therapist and and practiced. Um, you know, really, you know, as as I became a leader in rehab, I still practiced. I still found it very rewarding to spend an hour or two a day uh, with a patient and understanding patients. And I've had leaders say to me, you know, one thing I I I value is you know what it's like to treat a patient, and it, it's probably the fabric of who I am as a leader is is getting that. What I love about OT, and this is important as I have I built my leadership, is it you know in OT school you learned one you've got to connect with a person in order for them to follow you or to be led by you or to be approved by you. Two, you got to listen to where they are and what is their success. And three, you got to constantly reevaluate that relationship so that you don't get stagnant. And, and those are things that I've, I've carried on forward. So occupational therapist in Ohio, 
became a director of rehab, uh, decided I wanted to get into a, a 500 plus bed facility and, and try to, you know, test the waters in a more complex environment. And that's when I moved to Marshfield, Wisconsin for St. Joseph's Hospital under Ministry Healthcare at the time and uh, became their director of rehab and then their patient care kind of director. And and uh, I remember the day I showed up, they changed the reporting structure and had me report to the CNO. And I thought, oh boy, that makes me nervous as a therapist, right? Um, but she said, you know what? You're going to thank me for this because I'm going to teach you how nurses think. And and the the seven years I worked with that nursing executive team, are I could not have ever been more grateful for that experience of understanding how nursing operation works in a hospital, amongst other things, of course. Um, after seven years there, I got an opportunity to go to a critical access hospital as a, as a president in my first CEO position uh, in Nielsville, Wisconsin, Memorial Medical Center. And, you know, they took a shot on uh, an untested uh, first-time executive that was going to take chances and build programs. And so I didn't really know what I was getting into until I got there and realized there was four days cash on hand and the f- medical staff was upset with everybody. And, and now you got to figure this out. Fortunately, I had an interim CEO there that mentored me for about six months and and we were able to to turn that ship around. And in 2018, we uh, right on embarking on a on a new facility campus for that faci- for that community, we decided you know the best long term strategy was to uh, merge with Marshall Clinic Health System. And so at that point, uh, at 2018, we merged, and uh, I became part of the Marshall Clinic Health System. And I worked in the Marshfield back in Marshfield, where I was a director of rehab through as their incident commander through COVID. And you know a lot of things didn't happen other than trying to figure out how we're going to be. Um, uh, managing and surviving through COVID. And then uh, this op- this great opportunity came open uh, in Wausau West End, and I transitioned over here in July, and I couldn't be happier with uh, that decision to do so. Wow. Thanks for that um, flyover, Ryan. What a fascinating career path and all the lessons learned already in terms of um, risk and trust, right? Kind of trusting the process um, when you um, had that reporting structure changed to the CNO. Um, you just kind of have to trust that uh, and how wise she was to say to you, um, someday you'll appreciate learning uh, nursing operations. And I bet you think of that many, many times in your current uh, role and in your role at Nielsville. Um, so kind of uh, let's transition a bit more on that leadership thread that you were starting to go down. And I we'd be curious to know, Ryan, um, what was your proudest leadership moment as you reflect so far in your career? You know, I, I think it's a great question. So uh, thanks for asking. I think when someone says a price, I tend to go to the most immediate thing that happened that I was driving home saying, boy, that was amazing, right? So I'm going to tell you two quick ones. One was uh, two weeks ago. We, you know, new to a community, I've been here a year and a half. And I, um, one of my philosophies is to get integrated into the community and in different cultures and in different and so I've been meeting with a lot of community stakeholders that I've never met before, and they've never met with the Marshall Crank Health System and building these, you know, how can we work together? Or how do we strengthen this community as partners? And what does that look like in your world, in my world? And after a year of doing that, I, I decided we had our chief medical officer, Bill Melms, was visiting for the day. And I said, you know, I'm going to invite all the community members up to meet with you 
and, and just have a conversation about what we're trying to work on. And it was the first time where I had them all in one room. And it's a lot of, it's first time where they had been in the room together ever. And, you know, when you're in one of those meetings and it just happens and, and you kind of had one of those moments where I wasn't the leader anymore, the conversation was, and the passion led the meeting. And I was more of a mere observer of bringing these folks together and watching what you want a community to have, all of a sudden, it, it just happened. And that was that was huge. It was huge. I still get chills thinking about that. Even though it was a meeting, I was extremely proud because, you know, is our leadership philosophy as, as a team up here uh, brought that together for that to occur. And now these are going to be ongoing. And we don't know where this is going to start. We don't know where this is going to end, right? So that that to me was one of my most recent proudest moments. And it's not kinda, nothing huge. Kind of sounds like, you know, how athletes describe flow. Yeah, um, that that you had a a moment of flow, right? That uh, yeah. and we're having kind of some fun riding that wave. It sounds like so. Congratulations! Yeah, you know when you think about proudest moments, like building a hospital in Nielsville, which is a, a very underserved community and, and a high Medicaid rate. You think, yeah, you know that that was a great accomplishment. It took years to get there, a lot of work, and you're very proud of that building. But there's something about what you felt in that meeting that was different than what you feel seeing a building go up. And, and so I, I just reflect to say, I, I think I might, I'm, I might be more proud of that community connection. Uh, and maybe it's more recent or maybe I'm just a softie. I don't know. <laughs> you said you had a second example, Ryan. Oh, the second one was, I, I think building that hospital in Nielsville. Um, you know, that critical access hospitals are closing or they have, you know, this is when, you know, you either survive or die. Um, and, and we rallied a community around, um, the future. And, and we knew if we could get to a place of performance where we could build a facility, there would be one in there for the next four years, right? I mean, hospitals need to be used. So build one. And, and we were able to do that using a lot of partnerships in the community. You know, the pharmacy, the local pharmacy became part of, of the project, not our own pharmacy. So they got a piece of this. And we brought in a YMCA to, to lease out a wellness center and, and a local optometrist was going to be part of the storefront of the hospital. And so, and so it was this collective um, collaboration of, of bringing, you know, I guess, interests together so that the residents at community were going to be near a healthcare facility for a very long time. And we know the health outcomes are better when you're closer. Uh, to a facility. And so that was uh, a very proud moment. In fact, uh, on social media uh, yesterday, I, you know, I, I saw someone post how much weight they lost and they were in that wellness center that we built. And I thought, that's pretty cool. You know, that is, uh, we're still impacting lives, you know, from that, that uh, thought that we kind of chased after. And now I think that's the only YMCA in a hospital in the country. And uh, it's kind of unique, but it's something that that uh, YMCA USA is is looking into more of. Well, congratulations! What great examples, Ryan. Thank you. So, Ryan, what would you consider your greatest setback as a leader? Thanks, Maddie, for the question. Um, when, when I think about setbacks, it's not what was the greatest setbacks, but I, I think about what set us back because who we lost and it's the who. And um, 
I think as administrators, as leaders, our biggest task every day is connecting passions and talent. So you have a patient in need, you have a provider with the talent to fix it and the passion to fix it, and you have the facility to do it in. And, and when those three come together, um, it, it's really why we're in what we do. And um, and everyone goes away happy. That's great, right? It's when you lose a piece of that that puzzle, whether you lose a patient or you lose a a you know a great provider or a great nurse or a great employee, and and you lose them not because they got promoted or they got launched, but you you truly lost them because maybe as a leadership team we didn't hear or see something we should have, and so it's a true loss. And then you experience a setback. Whether it's in a program, whether it's in a uh, an initiative or a strategy, and while you're in that setback, you continue to lose opportunities to make an impact. And so, as I look back, I'm not going to name names, but I think of you know three, four people that I lost either in our clinical team or our leadership team that created a setback that we could not, for a period of time, do what our mission and vision wanted us to do. And, and so um, as a result now, looking forward and even looking at my schedule every day, I look at who am I meeting with? Where are they? How do we need to influence them? Is there an opportunity to impact them? Because I don't ever want to lose someone and create that kind of setback. And when setbacks like that, like a program setback becomes chronic, that's when things start to to really become um, unsettling for me. Is there anything that you learned from those experiences that if you know you could go back or if it were to come up again that you might do something a little bit different? Yeah, <clears throat> you get distracted. I, I find that when I get distracted from not seeing the people or the person, and you get distracted by maybe um, alternative, distractions, um, then you start taking that for granted. And, and so when, when, when we're in a meeting and you're, and you're looking at, um, who's in that meeting, it's sometimes just as important as what we're discussing. And so when I would get on a mission where everything is focused on outcomes and, and results and, you know, stop the small talk. We got to get this accomplished. That's when I realized that, hey, when you're starting to feel that you're missing kind of who you are and you're going to you're going to you're going to experience a, a setback that you create. And and so in those moments, I you know, it's often and I'll, I'll tell a leader, I said, did you see this coming? Well, I kind of did. Let's talk about what why we didn't do something when we first did. And so that distraction or that lack of initiation or that cowardness or whatever it was, uh, I try to keep that in check so that um, I, you know, I don't miss an opportunity to either retain or motivate. On behalf of Coffee with the College, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thanks to our premier sponsors, Epstein UN Architects, HGA, Hush Blackwell, and thank you as well to our preferred sponsors, C.G. Schmidt, Findorf, Paul Render, Nutanix, Plunkett Research Architects, and Quarles and Brady. Ryan, it sounds like you have your priorities or you're cognizant of your priorities. And um, if you're not, you're kind of, you're risking 
that distraction and, and getting off track. Uh, you've also moved states uh, for your positions in your career, and you've moved from the clinical realm to the administrative realm. A lot of our uh, quarterly spotlights in, involve that in order to get to where they are now. Uh, Damon Boatwright, I know, has moved uh, a couple wow. times. Uh, Seth has moved from Wisconsin to uh, California. Uh, Carrie hasn't been in this area forever. Uh, she moved here and she even mentioned that how she got here is a whole nother podcast in itself. So uh, you going through similar types of transitions, what's an important risk that you feel like you've taken in your career to get to where you are and kind of what went through your mind while you were taking that? Yeah, tremendous risk in moving uh, from a comfort zone to maybe an uncomfortable zone uh, initially. Um, I, I tend to think that when, when taking that kind of risk, I get kind of excited by the unknown. <clears throat> and um, like when I moved from Ohio to Wisconsin, when I interviewed in Wisconsin, I'd never been to the state in my life. And, and I remember um, thinking to myself, driving home or flying home, thinking, is, is this, am I crazy? I mean, and, and then I started to realize, um, again, what opportunity am I saying no to by being afraid of this risk? And easily, I could have said no to an opportunity. So, um, you know, when I think about risk, I always think of the other side. I think of, okay, what if you don't take this risk? And, and, that, and that excitement of opportunity of what if usually um, pushes the risk or the nervousness way down. So even when I, when I think about changing from Marshfield to Wausau Weston, um, the risk and in, in the what ifs and, you know, that chatter that can go on in a leader's head of, of the expectations you have and expectations they have and, and, and how does this, how's this going to work out? And, and what I, you know, kind of leveled it down to an opportunity was, is we need to really challenge ourselves and make each other better. And um, that becomes the joint goal versus here's my goals and here are your goals. Yeah. I find I often, it, it, even if it's finding out what you don't want to do, it's taking that risk to find that about yourself. So you, so your future you is a better you. Um, even if it, even if the actual, uh, say position or whatever is, uh, you can always get out of it, but you took that risk and, and the opportunity cost was weighed and, uh, yeah, you don't want to be stagnant either. So those stretch assignments are key. Yeah. Yeah, good point, Brian. Yep. Well, Ryan, we're going to switch gears again, um, as we did before, um, and talk a little bit about ACHE Wisconsin. Um, so I mentioned in the opening that you've been very active in our chapter. Thank you for that leadership and that service. Um, and you are also uh, FACHE, have achieved fellow certification. So can you talk a little bit about what role ACHE has played in your career development? Yeah, so um, ACHE, I, I cannot say enough good things of what it's done for my career. And, and when, when 
you know, mentor, when folks reach out and say, how do I, I say, always get, get your ACHE membership going now. And you're going to, you're going to see some opportunities you don't even know existed. But um, when, when I was in Marshfield, there was not a lot of ACHE members there in ministry. And I don't think, I think there was only one fellow and uh, I think he was a contracted vendor. And so to, to ask your executive leadership, one, to join, and then also to seek fellowship was a little bit nerve wracking because I didn't know if they, where they were with that. Um, and so once I did, and I got into the ACHE network, I, I became engulfed around mentors of like-mindedness of, you know, we're all in this together, no matter who we work for, how do we make each other, you know, the most effective leaders? And, and that creates a lot of momentum um, in a lot of things we do. Um, so became an ACH member and, and then went through the leadership development program. I think it was a class two. I think we were the second class ever to go through. So I am an LDP alum. Very proud of that. That was um, life changing more than career changing to, to meet folks uh, in, once a month and, and understand how they, I still have memories and notes from my LDP where I heard senior CEOs at that point really talk about their philosophies and they kept it very simple. You know, what's your personal goal? What's your professional goal? And everyone needs, I remember those easy conversations we had that I adopted and carried forward. Uh, after LDP, took the fellowship exam and then uh, ran for a board seat and got involved in the board. It was on the board for about six years and past president and was able to uh, start to give back to LDP, start to give back to the, the members any way I could and and still create that community. And, and I think in the ACHE, at that time, you know, where, when I came in and, and, and when I, you know, where it is now is you've seen this tremendous shift to our members getting younger and more versatile. And um, that's exciting. And I think the LDP has a lot to do with that. I, I know it does. We have a young board, which uh, keeps us on our toes and keeps us uh, thinking creatively like this type of, of podcast is just fabulous. Um so kudos to that. And, and then now going forward, you know, I'm not on the board. I, I did not run for, for another term because I, I really wanted more people on the board to create that energy. And, and then I help out on the LDP as much as possible or whenever they need me, uh, I'm there to support. And, um, and so the, the ACHE, it's, it's interesting because even when you go across the country and you meet colleagues, there's this bond if they're an ACHE or FACHE member. And um, it, it's a cool bond that um, everyone needs to experience. And um, I'm glad that, that we're doing this and I'm glad that members are, are hopefully listening to this. Ryan, real quick, lightning round. One question and one statement. What is one bit of advice for the fellowship exam? Oh, don't overstudy. Uh, okay. you, you know, you know it. Oh, and I would say governance, at least when I took it. Know the governance. Yes. And I was I, like, why do we need to know governance? Until, I second that. Until yes. you become a, you know, administrator and you realize you better know governance. So, uh, yeah, governance, I would say. is When in doubt, the answer is the board. No. <laughs> yes, yes, the board. Good call, Brian. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Well, just springboarding off of Brian's lightning round. Um Fun question to, as we start to wrap up here, Ryan. Um, we rumor has it uh, that you bring pets to work. So <laughs> tell us, tell us uh, what that's all about, and um, 
the why behind that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm very proud of my, uh, they're called the boys. I've got two golden retrievers that are uh, therapy dogs. And, um, you know, uh, I'm a dog lover. And, you know, when you think about what folks do to relax, it's, I'm with my dogs. My wife and I love our dogs. And it's just a, a moment. I think they're more therapy than we are. But I wanted to share that. And um, so as we got, went through the training and, and uh, I realized that, this could be a great rounding engagement opportunity. And um, so one day a week, at least, I, I, I bring the boys to work and they know exactly the admin suite here is their kind of home. And we go and try to touch base with as many employees as possible. That's our focus. It, it's, it's, they, you know, it's their dogs for the day. Um, they look forward to it. Um, it's different. It's fun. It creates an environment of family, you know, and, and uh, the dogs love it. I love it. The only thing that hurts is when I walk, when I round without them, they, they usually ask where they are. They're, they're more excited to see the dogs than me, which is good because then they, it's hard to get mad at me if I have the dogs with me. So there's a little bit of a shield there, but yeah, it's true. It's, it's, a, it's a leadership tool. I think it's something that um, hospitals may adopt going forward is, is uh, that type of um, touch. Well, I'm a dog lover too, Ryan. So I love your story and I love um, how you're using the boys to create yet another connection. Yeah, thank you. So Ryan, to wrap us up today, uh, could you share with us uh, one or two things that you would tell a young leader to to get them going in their career? Yes, Maddie, thank you. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit around understanding what your internal brand is. So, you know, we all know what a brand is, but when someone thinks of you as a leader, what is the feeling they get? And, and I think managing your internal brand uh, is important as you want to navigate your career. Um, and the way you increase your, your brand is really through, I think in these, you know, in this environment now is through relationships and managing relationships. I always look at relationships in a day of, they're never stagnant. Every interaction you have with someone, the relationship changes and you want it to change in the right direction. Um, second is, and, and I got this last, I, I had lunch with uh, Father Marion, who's our priest here. And, and he was sharing with me some of his journey. And he said, you know what? I really need to focus more. He was telling me, I said, what are you working on? He goes, I'm really focusing more and more clearly seeing one's needs. And I'm thinking he's thinking of patients, but he's also thinking of employees. What are their needs? And, and what is my role in those needs? And so when I think about your internal brand, um, it's a tough time right now to lead. We all need each other. We all need healthy relationships. And if you can do those two things, and increase your internal brand, you're going to get to the position that you want it. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I would just advise that every meeting, every day is an opportunity to increase your internal brand and, and do it and see where it takes you. Thanks, Ryan. That is, um, great insight, great framing in terms of, um, giving our listeners something to reflect on. As we wrap up the podcast, so really appreciate you putting some thought into uh, sharing that. Okay. Um, 
With that, I'd like to um, thank Brian on behalf of Madeline and Brian and our listeners for spending time with us this morning. It has really been enjoyable and insightful, Brian. So thank you so very much. Um, I'd also like to just wrap up by sharing a few of the notes that I took um, as Ryan was talking today in terms of themes from this quarterly spotlight. Um, so early in um, our our time together today, Ryan talked about connect, listen, and relationships. And um, that those threads really came through um, as we talked today. Um, Ryan, you talked about connecting um, to the community early on, and that certainly is a leadership lesson, and also connecting passions, talents, and facility, and that ultimately that probably is the primary job of a leader, um, came through with a lot of themes around listening, listening to stakeholders, but also um when we talked about setbacks, Ryan was really reflecting on listening to your gut. <laughs> and if your gut is telling you that you might be moving a little too fast and not pausing to pay attention to some of what something that matters, it's probably time to um, take some time to listen and listen to your gut and listen to those around you is what I took away from that. And then finally, on the relationship front, um, the theme I heard from Ryan was review and renew, right? So some of the setbacks might come because um, it's time to review relationships. So review and renew uh, was the, the third bullet I put building on the themes you started us out with, Ryan. Did I get, did I hear you right? You were spot on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again, listeners, for joining us for this quarterly spotlight. We look forward to bringing more of these to you in the future. But in the meantime, best wishes, take care, and see you next time. This podcast is copyrighted material of the American College of Healthcare Executives, Wisconsin Chapter 2022.